you have your Bible or can grab the Bible in the pew, we're going to be in John chapter 4. And we're eventually also going to skip back to John chapter 3. Talking about the woman at the well. I've been doing a series where I've been looking at a different story every week. And when I got to this story for last week, I decided I couldn't do that. This one I really needed to take three weeks and, and dive into. So we're, we're still going here with the woman at the well. I'm in John chapter 4. And I'm going to start in verse 4. And uh, I'm not going to read all of what the bulletin says I'm going to. But you can follow along. John 4, 4. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from the journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from him himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give will never be thirsty. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you, are now, you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming where neither on this mountain nor on, in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, and we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I, who speak to you, am he. Just then the disciples came back, and they marveled that this, he was talking to this woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went back into town, and said to the people, Come and see who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Skipping down to verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. 
he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to this woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe him, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. In this story, we often read the woman to be a, a, a woman of sin, a woman who has not been faithful to her husbands. And I challenged that notion last week by saying that actually the text never says that. And by reading this woman simply focused on her sin, which is not really part of the dialogue at all, it tends to tint the way you read the story. So many scholars talk about her question about the mountain as a distracting question. Like, oh, you're starting to talk about my sin. Well, let me ask you about this mountain over here. That has nothing to do with my sin. But I don't think that's a good way to read the story. I think what you're actually getting in this questions woman about worship is this ultimate question of what, how do I get right with God? Maybe because of her sin, maybe because of her difficult past, whatever's going on for this woman, she wants to know how to get right with God. I don't think it's a distracted question at all. I think it's actually a, a question that makes a lot of sense. Whenever we read the Bible, we've got to be careful about the assumptions that we bring to the text and what we read into the text. We've got to try as much as we can to sit back and let the text speak for itself. And so the Bible doesn't talk a lot about sin. I'm not sure that sin should be the central focus of our discussion. I think this idea of Jesus giving living water should. Today I want to talk to you about the context of this story of the woman at the well. By context, we can mean two things. Context can mean the historical context. So what's going on in Israel? What's going on in, in the different contexts? That, um, that, why is it a Samaritan woman? Why does that matter? I mean, historically, the Samaritans were people who, when the Israelites were taken into exile, they were left and forced to intermarry with the, their captors. And so they're half-breeds. They're hated even more than the Gentiles because they're close to being Jews. I made the point last week that I think we often fight with and hate people that are closest to our beliefs. The people that disagree with us a little bit bother us even more than the people that totally disagree with us. So, historical context, Jesus is not supposed to talk to this woman. Most Jews would never even walk through Samaria. When she comes to the well, he should stay back, but he doesn't. But every story also has a literary context. In other words, this isn't just some random story. It's put in the Gospel of John, and it's put in a particular place in the Gospel of John. And if you understand the context, I believe this story comes even more to light. First of all, in the Gospel of John, everything in John is about who Jesus is. Everything in the Gospel of John points to who Jesus is. I've preached through John before using the I am sayings. Jesus makes all kinds of claims about himself. There are all kinds of miracles that prove who Jesus is, that relate to those I am sayings. And so whenever you read the Gospel of John, your question better be, because you, you know the context, what is this text saying about Jesus? That's important. This morning I want to pay particular attention to the context by jumping back a chapter. So if you have your Bible, 
I want to read to you from John chapter 3 because there's a story in John chapter 3 that I think is meant to be read in comparison with the woman at the well. And I think as I start making some of these comparisons, you're going to see how strongly these two are paired. This is the story of Nicodemus starting in John 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I, that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to Jesus, How can these things be? Jesus goes on to continue teaching, but that's the last we hear of Nicodemus. So we, we have these two stories. And I want you to think about these two stories and start comparing them a little bit in your mind. They happen in two different places. One happens at a well. Very public place. Of course, not public in the middle of the day when it's all hot, but it's a very public place. One happens with Jesus in the middle of the night. So I have a bed up here to represent this. One happens in the middle of the day. One happens in the middle of the night. So the context of these stories are the opposite times of the day, and they're basically opposite locations. Everybody with me so far? But, but where these stories happen aren't where the real comparison starts to come into place. Start to think about Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a man. He's a Jew. He's not just any Jew. He's a Pharisee and a ruler among the Jews. And we get his name. Nicodemus. Forever we know him. Nicodemus. Oh yeah, I remember the story of Nicodemus. Now let's think about this woman at the well. A woman. Not just any woman. A Samaritan woman. Of a, of a class of citizens that Jesus shouldn't be talking to. Not just any Samaritan woman, but she is an outsider. Nicodemus is an insider. He's a good Jew. But this woman at the well, she is not a good Samaritan. She's there in the middle of the day to avoid being around all the other Samaritans. And she doesn't even get a name. Think about that. We got Nicodemus. Oh yeah, I remember Nicodemus. And then we got woman at the well. I think when we get to heaven, there's going to be a lady with a name tag. Samaritan woman at the well. This, this woman doesn't even get a name. These figures are exact opposites. Good Jew, name, man, woman, Samaritan, bad Samaritan, no name. These two people, one chapter apart, 
in the Gospel of John. Nicodemus is a teacher. He's knowledgeable. He approaches Jesus because he has some serious questions because he's been listening to Jesus. This woman at the well doesn't know who Jesus is at all. She just goes to the water and there's a dude sitting there on the side of the well. She's not ignorant. Interesting, the Samaritan woman is not someone who is irreligious. But she's Samaritan, so she doesn't have access to all the teachings that the Jews have. She wonders about whether it's this mountain or that mountain. I mean, she has a concern for her faith. But she is far from a teacher. She's a learner. She wants to know. She has no access to that information. Both have a conversation alone with Jesus in very different contexts. Although isn't it interesting that Nicodemus seeks Jesus out in the middle of the night. Why in the middle of the night? He's a Pharisee. He doesn't want to be seen by other Pharisees or other Jews talking to Jesus and having honest conversations, seeking out what Jesus might know. So he goes in the middle of the night. But this woman, she doesn't know who Jesus is. She doesn't initiate a conversation with Jesus. She just goes to the well and boom, there he is. And Jesus initiates the conversation. We see this again and again in Scripture, actually. The, the Pharisees, those who are really religious, they try to engage Jesus a lot. But it's normally from a perspective of suspicion. They don't really want to believe Jesus. They just want to figure him out. They want to understand him. A lot of times they want to trap him or control him. But the gospel is full of all these people that are sinners and nobodies. They don't seek Jesus out, but Jesus seeks them. Remember Zacchaeus in the tree? He just wants to see Jesus. He doesn't really want to talk to Jesus. He's not sure about Jesus. So he's climbed this tree so he can see Jesus come along, and Jesus initiates conversation. Jesus seems to love the poor and the lost and the broken and seek them out. He seems a little unsure about the religious people who try to seek Jesus out, but normally from a perspective of suspicion. Both of them ask Jesus about what he's doing. But Nicodemus has, is coming from a little different perspective, right? He wants to know, Jesus, you've got to be from God. What's going on here? He doesn't quite ask about life. But we can wonder if maybe for Nicodemus he understands when he visits Jesus in the middle of the night, wakes him up from his bed, that he knows there's something missing in his life. And he wants to know what that thing is. Very similar, in fact, to this nameless woman at the well. I mean, she wants to know from Jesus, how do I get right with God? Do I worship on this mountain or this mountain? How does this work? They both want life. They both sort of recognize in Jesus that he has keys to life, that he has something to offer both of them. They both ask kind of similar questions. And they both receive from Jesus teachings that are kind of similar, in that they're weird. They're strange. Let's just go ahead and be honest. When you read Jesus say, you must be born again, or you can be translated, must be born from above. Most of us have no idea what that means. I've probably studied it. I'm not sure I totally understand what it means. When Jesus says, live in water, what does that mean? I mean, 
it's a strange, out there sort of thing. If Jesus was preaching a sermon and he said that, we would all expect him to explain it more. So they both get this weird teaching from Jesus as an answer to sort of their seeking. And both of them, Nicodemus and the woman at the well, take Jesus' words pretty literally. Nicodemus, you must be born again. How in the world am I supposed to be? I'm a grown man. How am I supposed to go back to my mom? How am I supposed to explain this process to my mom? That's the real question I can't take to How am I going to get my mom on board with this idea? Because it's weird. It's strange. And he takes it literally. The woman in the well, too. You knew who I was. You know, you'd ask me for living water. Water that whoever has it will never thirst again. Yeah, give me some of that water. I don't have to come here in the middle of the day ever again. I don't have to worry about going and getting water. I'll take that water. Both of them seem to take the teaching of Jesus literally at first. Forcing Jesus to sort of expand on the story. But their response to this teaching is definitely different, right? For Nicodemus, his, his question is, how can that be? And then Jesus explains it a little more, and you know what his response is again? How can that be? And then the story on the, the, the teaching of Jesus unfolds, he keeps teaching, and we never even go back and hear from Nicodemus again. But that's not the response of the woman at the well, is it? No. She says, give me some more of that water. Give me some of that water. And then Jesus asks her about her husbands. And she's forced to admit, yeah, I've got kind of a colorful past. We don't know if maybe she had to bury those husbands. We don't know if, if she's been divorced a number of times. We know that for some reason she's not married to the husband she has now. So Jesus prompts her to consider her life. Why? Because she seems to recognize that she needs something. She seems to recognize that there's a gap in her life that she's seeking to fill. She can recognize that. But for some reason, Nicodemus he can't quite see it. Maybe a little bit he can. I mean, he seeks Jesus out in the middle of the night. He knows Jesus has something that he doesn't seem to have, that he doesn't seem to understand. Maybe Nicodemus understands more about Jesus than what he's saying that we give him credit for. Maybe having lived a life of trying to do good and trying to be religious, he understands that he can't make it. He understands that there's still sin. That what he needs is a do-over. What he needs is a recreation. What he needs is new life. He needs to be born again. He needs, he needs a restart. But he, he doesn't know how to do that. And he doesn't really want to do that. And he can kind of recognize that he needs to do that, but he also can't seem to totally grasp that he needs that. But the woman of the well, she's not hindered by her religious system. She knows she needs to be loved. She knows that all the wells that she's dug in her life aren't cutting. Jesus points to her life, points to her husband, to all she's been through. And she recognizes, yeah, I need this. But she doesn't understand it. She doesn't really understand the living water thing. 
she doesn't really understand who Jesus is. Even when she goes and tells all her neighbors and friends, she's like, could this be the Messiah? She doesn't say, hey, look, this is the Messiah. You catch that? She doesn't know for sure. She doesn't quite understand, but she's willing to accept anyway. She's willing to respond anyway, even with that little bit of doubt. She doesn't have Jesus all figured out, but she's willing to go tell all her neighbors, hey, something is up over here that you want to go check this out. The problem that we see with Nicodemus is the problem that we have all the time in religion. Is that in religion, if you can be good enough, if you can follow the rules, eventually you can get to the point where you can't even recognize your need to Jesus anymore. Your religious systems, though they're good and important, I'm not one of those people that is out here proclaiming we should just throw off all religion and just be me and Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who establishes this church. But the problem is we can be tempted to numb ourselves to our real needs. To numb ourselves to our need for Jesus. And so the faith becomes something that you have to understand and you have to know instead of something you have to respond to and live in response to. Does that make sense to everybody? We think Christianity a lot about what you know. Do you know Jesus? Do you know what the Bible says? Do you know the doctrines of the church? The problem is, you can know a lot. Nicodemus does. And not have a faithful response. I think that's why John puts these stories together in the gospel. They're a chapter apart. They're exact opposites of each other. Except this woman that's not supposed to get it, that's an outsider, that's a Samaritan, that's not named, that's not important, that's had a really colorful past. This woman, who doesn't understand, who doesn't know what's going on, she accepts and does something about it. Nicodemus, who should have it all right, doesn't accept. And he doesn't respond. Maybe Christianity is more about accepting and responding than knowing. And if that's the case, that has radical implications for how the church works and how Christianity works. Because I don't just read the Bible to know about God. I read the Bible so that I can accept God's will in my life and live differently. I don't just come to church to hear sermons so I know more about the woman at the well. I, I don't care if you understand all of this. In fact, I, I've been studying the Bible a long time. There's still a lot of stuff I don't understand. The point is not understanding. The point is accepting and responding. And then you live the rest of your life trying to figure out what you accepted. That's how it is. That's how it should be. So don't, it means for you and your Christian faith, you don't have to try to figure it all out before you take a step of faith. You don't have to have all the answers before you start telling your neighbors and your friends about what God is up to. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to answer their questions. Family, 
friends, neighbors, co-workers. You don't have to be able to answer all their questions about Jesus. Otherwise, nobody would share their faith. Because how do you figure all that stuff out? The woman of the well is a great example because unlike Nicodemus, who has a lot of answers, she actually does something with it. That's what we need as a church. Church has been in decline in America and around the world for a long time. And I think it's because, I think there's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is there's not as many Christians that are really living their life with this Jesus thing at the center. They're not really living born again, renewed. They're not really living based on the living water, based on their own waters. They're not just accepting. They're not telling their neighbors. They're not responding by living their life different. If, if you wait till you figure out everything, you're going to live your whole life like Nicodemus, wondering, how can that be? Respond by accepting what Jesus has done for you and live your life differently. Do something with it. Otherwise, you'll be like Nicodemus. Maybe you'll have a name, and maybe you'll be important. But at the end of the story, Nicodemus isn't even mentioned. The text just says, from there, the disciples moved on to another area. But the woman at the well, unnamed, unimportant. You know how many neighbors and friends are going to be in heaven someday? Because she didn't understand it all. But she had boldness to respond. We need to be a church. We need to be Christians more like the woman at the well. Responding, sharing, being willing even if we don't understand to accept. Let me pray. Jesus, you have life for us. Life abundant, life in the fullness. You are there ready to sustain us. Forgive us that too often we wait because we don't understand, because we haven't figured it all out. Forgive us that there are neighbors, friends, family, colleagues, Lord, so many that could benefit from your love and your life and your grace, and yet we have been timid because we don't have all the answers. Lord, if there are particular people that you want us to reach out to, you want us to talk to particular people, to invite particular people to church, lay them on our hearts this week and give us the boldness to go to them and share and invite. Lord, we need you to be our living water because nothing else is going to sustain us. In Jesus' name.